On today's show, we are just dipping our toes into the offseason when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks, but we understand there is big picture stuff to talk about. And sometimes you've got to get out of the Milwaukee bubble and get the national perspective. And I said Howard Beck is going to join us. He is here today. We're going to talk about the continued fallout from the first round loss to Miami and then projecting forward about some of the moves or perhaps lack of flexibility this team has to make major moves. So let's get into it. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. And as always, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single weekday, even through the offseason. It might be a long offseason for the Bucks or a longer one than we thought was going to uh, go down, but we're still going to have this show, and uh, it might be one of the more fascinating offseasons we've seen for the Bucks, certainly in the Mike Budenholzer era. So uh, we appreciate the support. Subscribe, drop a like, and comment, and all those things on whatever platform you're watching. It's free to do so. Uh, But it really does help us uh, in the big picture as well, which we appreciate. Now, alongside me today, a man that if you've followed basketball and you've uh, partaken in the media industry and the content, then you know this man very well. Howard Beck from uh, New York Times, Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, a whole bunch of major publications. And now uh, doing some great stuff with the Locked On Podcast Network, which I know all the hosts absolutely appreciate. Howard. It's good to catch up. You know, as we were scheduling this, I will say we were talking about when we were going to do this show, when we were going to fit it in. And at first we were discussing, well, we'll probably need to fit it in between second round games for the Bucks now. So this isn't the conversation I thought we were going to have, but nonetheless, yeah. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. I uh, appreciate that. Excited to have the conversation as well, Kane. Thanks for having me. And no, uh, this is not the timing or circumstances or consequences or anything else that I thought we would be discussing uh, at this point in the postseason, but here we are. So if, if I, that's not a bad way to start because as sure. obviously as this first round series with Miami unfolded, the reality or the possibility that the Bucks were going to get eliminated, it ramped up pretty quickly. I, I'm curious as you were watching this series though, did it feel like it was getting more shocking by the game? Or did you feel early in this series that there was a legitimate and very, very real possibility that this was the way it was going to play out? Never, never, never thought this was a realistic possibility. I mean, listen, I have great, great regard for the Miami Heat. And, you know, we we talk about and sometimes joke about hashtag heat culture because it can be a little bit overused. It's a little too precious sometimes. <laughs> however, however there is something real to that, right? Um, We just saw it again, frankly, in game two against the Knicks. They lost that game, but there they were with no Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero, no Victor Oladipo. It's Bam Adebayo and a bunch of dudes, and the game is still going down to the wire, and the Knicks were at full strength. Um, That that speaks to heat culture. Like, there is something there. So we should never dismiss them, even in a down year. And look, they they did have to come in through the play-in. They were an eighth seed. 
Um, and while I, I thought they were better than, than their record indicated, which is the case for a lot of teams this season, oddly, <laughs> um, I did not think for a minute that they had it in them to, to pull off the upset against the Bucks. And I tend to think of what happened as more, if you're going to split this thing, it's at, at least as much or more an indictment of the Bucks as it is credit to the Heat. Um, so when the Heat were, or when the Bucks were looking a little wobbly in this series, my belief all along was because I have a lot of faith in teams that are established at the Bucks level that, you know, all right, look, Giannis is out a couple of games. All right, he's got a back injury, whatever. But if, if, if Giannis is on the floor, they're going to pull this out. They'll find their way. I did not for a minute think they were going to end up losing in five and with Giannis still playing and playing at a pretty high level while they're going down. So, um, no, I'm listen, I'm still shocked. I'm still so- shocked that we're sitting here today talking about a second round in which the Heat and the Knicks are, are, are battling and the Celtics are down as you and I speak. The Celtics are down 1-0 to the Sixers with that game coming up shortly after we we get off this pod. Um, I, and that the Bucks aren't even in this conversation. It's it, I there's there's a lot for them to unpack and for all of us, I guess, to unpack. Uh, I'm, I'm still not sure what the hell happened. <laughs> so it's interesting because as talking to people that that cover the league, and I think uh, from the people that I spoke to. Uh, more on a national level, everyone, even when the Bucks were down 2-1 or down 3-1, the conversations I was having, they're like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yes. And, and I was kind of sitting there thinking, something just does not feel right. There seems something off here. Mm-hmm. Now, they did win in game four, in game five, six of the eight quarters very, very comfortably. And then both games followed a, a similar path. But you spoke about the, people want to say well, uh, parity. I just want to say the, the unpredictability of this year's NBA and all these teams. This wasn't your Detroit Pistons from 2019 when the Bucks swept the eight seed and beat them by about 45 points every single game. It wasn't your traditional eight seed. So where do you think, and uh, not wanting to rub salt into the wound of the Bucks fans, but it's a conversation. Where do you think this lies historically? Because it just doesn't happen very often. Well, there, so there's the obvious part, right? It doesn't happen very often. Um, this is only the sixth time an eight has upset a one and only the fourth time since we went to the best of seven first round um, and the first time since 2012. So even then, eight beating a one in the NBA playoffs. It last happened in 2012. That was the Sixers over the Bulls and that was Derrick Rose blowing out his ACL. Mm-hmm. And so there was a reason a, a sp- very specific reason for that upset. So you throw that one out and you get 2011 Memphis over San Antonio. You get 2007, the We Believe Warriors over the, the Mavericks. Um, and then you got to go back to the best of five first rounds, 99 with the Knicks over the Heat and 94 with the, the Nuggets over the Sonics. That's it. End of list. And some of those had specific circumstances and two of those were best of five where your margin for error is simply lower. And one of those, the Knicks over the heat in 99 was at the end of a lockout season where everything was wacky, right? There was a 50 game season compressed into a couple of months. Um, You know, I'm not throwing out asterisks necessarily. I'm just saying like eh, circumstances, right? Even the, we believe warriors over the Mavericks, there was something just very unique about the way that warriors team was built. Um, they were, you know, it was just it was just a different kind of group, and it just presented a bad matchup for for the Mavericks. If if you're asking me to like, you know, slot in this Bucks upset historically, this might be the worst one 
see, you know, the, the worst version of a one losing to an eight. Like this might be the worst upset in first round NBA history because there were circumstances for several of these other examples. And in none of these other examples was the team that went down the defending champion or a, a recent champion, not defending champion, but recent champion, right? Um, the Bulls hadn't accomplished anything when they go down to the to the Sixers. Uh, the Spurs were, you know, a few years removed from their last title. The Mavericks hadn't accomplished anything yet. Um, the Heat in 99 hadn't accomplished anything. The Sonics in 94. Like, none of these teams had a player. I mean, a lot of them had great players, to be clear. Giannis is a two-time MVP who has been in the MVP, you know, high in the MVP uh, final tally in the years that he hasn't won of the last uh, over the last few. Um, so you're, you're talking about the, the guy who's arguably the best player in the game, one of the top players at minimum, and a team that just won a title two years ago, and they're losing in the first round to an absolutely depleted Heat team that has no had had no offensive firepower to speak of, at least that we thought. Um, this might be the worst upset ever. I, I, I don't want to get hyperbolic and all, you know, first takey, but that's what it looks like to me at a glance. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's just, it's still hard to explain. <laughs> and, um, the optics are really bad and sorry, Giannis. And I know you and I will get to this Kane, but yes, it was a failure. So we did at least discuss the idea that because the bucks are in an interesting position with the flexibility of the roster, with the head coach, if you're going to lose, maybe you need to at least have a loss where everyone sits back and says, okay, uh, we need to have a deeper look at this. Nothing's masked over because you look at this second round series with the Knicks and the Bucks probably would have been heavy favorites. No oh, yeah. point talking about it, but they would have cruised through what we thought was an easier path to the conference finals. When you get eliminated in the first round, it's worth investigating every possible path to upgrade, to change, to freshen things up. It's been five years for the Bucks, So I want to ask you about Mike Budenholzer and this roster. After I talk about eBay Motors, our friends over there, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part uh, you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you'll get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to US customers. Eligible items apply. Uh, exclusions apply. All right, you mentioned the Giannis. So let's get into this. And uh, I've discussed, and it's a press conference, it's been everywhere. It's been on Australian radio constantly. It's been uh, making it to Europe with some of the, the bigger soccer head coaches. It's It's been a crazy reaction to a press conference. Now, uh, we obviously discussed it on this show. I've been stuck in the middle of thinking that covering sports and the individuals has been going down a nastier path, it feels like, in recent times. I think it's kind of the world we live in. But at the same time, we are talking about sports, and I think it's okay to look at a team and say, if you've got the best record in the NBA and you get eliminated in historic circumstances, you failed to reach expectations. How have you taken it in? Yeah, so um, 
one, it's it's unfortunate that Ted Lasso is ending because this would have been a really <laughs> this would have been a really great thing to incorporate in a future season, much as they incorporated uh, a version of Allen Iverson's practice rant. Um, I so let me take let me take this from the positive view first. Um, I love what Giannis said. I absolutely mm-hmm. love what he said because we do get carried away. We do get hyperbolic in the way that we talk about sports. Um, and and that's fans and media, like passions run high. Um, and, and I get all of that. And I do think that sports, by definition, there is a binary, right? Like there's a scoreboard. There are wins and losses. And when you win, you're a success. And when you lose, you're a failure. It doesn't mean that your entire life is a failure. It's not a judgment. It's just the it's just a textbook definition you failed you know and there's there's a spectrum here right there's all different levels of this the cleveland cavaliers lost in the first round but i consider their season a success because the cleveland cavaliers hadn't been in the playoffs in a long time and they hadn't done anything in the in the postseason without lebron um in like a thousand years so here they are a, a new lebronless version of the cavaliers that has finally rebuilt itself and become respectable and, and gotten you know just a lot of really good players together they have their best you know non-lebron season in decades they lost in the first round but they're a four seed losing to a five seed which is you know you know four and fives are basically the same team i their season was still a success the sacramento kings playoffs for the first time in 17 years Losing the first round, and it's an upset of sorts because there are three losing to a six, but the Warriors are defending champions and are not your usual six seed. The Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers had successful seasons, in my view. That's not me being, you know, Pollyannish or overly charitable. Uh, that's that's not giving out participation trophies. It's looking at the context of their seasons and of their franchises and saying, given where you've been, this was a great step forward. LeBron, uh, Giannis talked about steps. It's all steps. Yeah, for the Sacramento Kings and Cleveland Cavaliers this season was an important step for those teams and they're both young and on the way up and have more room to keep improving and learn from this first round loss and take that into next season and try to advance further next spring. The Bucks are not the Kings and the Cavaliers though. The Bucks are a team that won the championship two years ago that had the best record in the NBA this season that has arguably the best player in the NBA. And they're not supposed to lose in the first round to an eight seed period. Like, so it, the context of, of, of these things matters. So is it a failure? Yes. In the most basic terms, it's a failure. And I would guess, and I don't like to try to mind read fans or tell them what they should think, but I'm going to guess if you could poll all Bucks fans, you'd probably get a 99% return on, yes, the season was a failure. I'm guessing Bucks fans are pretty upset still <laughs> about seeing their team lose in this fashion, given the reasonable high expectations, right? These weren't like unreasonable expectations they were supposed to go to the finals it was supposed to be between them and the celtics to win the east and you know if they'd gotten to the conference finals i would venture to say that eric name and no one else would have asked Giannis, was this season a failure if they'd gotten at least to the conference finals or gotten to the finals and lost or whatever it's the fact that they were upset in the first round so i love what Giannis said because i thought it was healthy i think from a psychological standpoint um from just a perspective standpoint, to put this in the in the context of everything is steps and we learn from the yes, uh, from, from a life perspective that is true. And and he has a I've always thought Giannis has a very healthy way of of interpreting and and internalizing, um, and and contextualizing sport 
and his place in this sport. He's got a much healthier outlook, I think, than a lot of people. We often lionize Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant for the whole killer mentality thing, but there's a part, there's an aspect of that that's a little bit psychotic at times. Yeah. The the kind of the winning isn't everything; it's the only thing mentality. The the win at all costs mentality. The drive it drive so hard that it's to the exclusion of everything else. That it kind of can warp your worldview, can warp your relationships with your teammates. Like there were consequences for the way that those guys approached the game, and they're they, you know I'm not saying it makes them bad people, but like sometimes that stuff's a little over the edge. I appreciate Giannis's more nuanced perspective on this. Um, but it doesn't mean it wasn't a failure. It, it, it simply was. And again, it doesn't mean he personally is a failure. It's not a value judgment. But um, so I, I, I definitely see this from all sides. The question was absolutely fair. It shouldn't have ever been even remotely controversial. Um, and it opened the door for Giannis to be able to push back on a notion that everybody else was going to be gravitating toward. And I think that's a really important part of this, too, when people debate like the, you know, whether it was a reasonable question or not baked into that question is the fact that every single person, media, fans, everybody who saw the Bucs lose in the first round are going to consider it a failure. So implicit in the question was, hey, we're all going to view this as a failure. Do you agree with that? And what Giannis is saying is, no, I don't. And his response was totally reasonable. And people can disagree with his response too. But the question was fair. The response was really thoughtful. Um. That, and, you know, that's that's where we are. And on some level, he also knows, yeah, obviously, everybody's really disappointed and disappointment and failure are, are kind of related. So um, he knows that they, they have to figure this out and and do some, you know, probably some restructuring of sorts this offseason. Yeah. And he did go on. And this obviously gets lost. And uh, you're well aware that later on in the po- uh, press conference, he said, this was my worst postseason ever. And he also said, this is going to burn me all summer long. So he actually went on and spoke about the disappointment. So this is a five-year stretch for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I always get accused in this show being too positive, too optimistic. But if you look at the five-year period, I think if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, this has been the best period, in, unless you're going back to the 80s, uh, obviously in some of those teams there back in the 70s, but five years. But it's five years under Bud. Three of those years, you're the number one seed and you don't get to the nba finals you only have one title while you have got Giannis entering his prime and now in his prime we've discussed obviously and it was it was honestly it gut-wrenching over the weekend everything that's going on on a personal level with mike budenholzer but it's obviously going to be a decision uh, that the franchise needs to make at the, at the head coaching spot particularly because it is going to be tough to make personnel changes with the roster how do you view the last five years or how should it be viewed with Mike Budenholzer and, and how do you see this playing out? Yeah, this is another one of those areas where it's a lot of eye of the beholder. So I'm not going to tell Bucks fans that they should be, you know, happy no, with disappointed with anything else, but um, look, the 30,000 foot perspective, 30,000 foot perspective. Um, it's a, it's a successful run. It's the, it's, you know, if you think of the NBA in five-year terms, five-year cycles, which is kind of what it is these days with as much movement as there is. Um, if in the, the course of a five-year span, you have made a bunch of deep playoff runs and won a championship, you, you've been a success because not that many other teams have won championships, period. And the Bucs hadn't won one in a very, very long time. Um, any team that's good enough to be among the favorites year in, year out, 
by definition, it's going to be a disappointment every time they don't make the finals and don't win a championship, right? If you've got the potential to, then we expect you to on some level. And certainly a fan base expects you to. Um, it goes back to something else Giannis said when he was alluding to Jordan. Would Jordan, you know, are the nine seasons he didn't win a championship failures? Michael Jordan would probably say yes, because <laughs> that's the way he's wired. Uh, I would say no, that's a little unreasonable. You can't expect to win it every single year. But I think the Bucks obviously were expected to get back there um, and to win more than, than, than just the one. But Giannis is still in his prime. Like, this is not over yet. Uh, the Budenholzer era might be. We'll see. Um, the Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, Drew Holiday version of this might be over. We'll see. Um, but Giannis... As long as he doesn't, you know, and, and to this point, he has not been, the, you know, following the path of other superstars of this era and saying, you know, I've, I've, hit, a, I've hit a wall. It's time to go somewhere else. Hmm. As long as he's willing to stick it out there, Bucks will figure out a way to restructure around him. And I think they'll probably get to another finals or, or several. I think they'll probably win another championship at some point. But there's so much luck involved in this sport, too. Injury luck, lottery luck, um, you know, just there's just happenstance. And, you know, every year now, because we we spend way too much time analyzing this stuff every year now, it's, oh, well, you know, the Warriors had an easier path last year because, you know, the Mavericks ended up knocking out the Suns and this and that, whatever. And, oh, you know, the, you know, the Cavaliers, oh, they only won it because Draymond got suspended or, you know, no, the, you know, the Warriors only won it the first time because Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. Like we do this to death. The fact is this kind of stuff happens every single season. There's always versions of this. And it does take some some luck. Um, the people who have won a bunch of championships will be the first people to, to tell you that. The Warriors, the, the only reigning dynasty, will be the first to tell you that. Bob Meyer says it all the time. Steve Kerr says it all the time. Um, I'm sure Steph and Draymond have, have said it too. Um, that's just the way it goes. So if you've gone through a five-year cycle where you won a championship and you're one of the handful of teams that got to win one, congratulations, you're a success. The, and the era was a success. But this era is not over yet because I the era will be however long Giannis is a Milwaukee buck, um, possibly till he retires, whenever that might be. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm judging it on, in, in that way. Um, it doesn't mean that there weren't some disappointments along the way, but winning a championship is really hard, and they got one. All right, so one of the big questions you talk about guys that have been with Giannis – since the start is going to be Chris Milton. I want to ask you how spooked you are about what we've seen over the last 24 months. First, I'll get to better help uh, our sponsor of the show today. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. And you never take a moment to think about what you need for yourself, but we all spend our time giving. Uh, it can leave us feeling stretched, thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find a more balance in your life. So you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give better help a try uh, the best thing about it is it's all online. So you don't need to be uh, sitting in a waiting room, you know, bumping into someone you know, all the typical things that people worry about. It's online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA. Chris Middleton, another one that I, I think, and I'm constantly complaining about it on this show, gets a bad rap from his section of his own fan base. 
But he's had a tremendous run in Milwaukee thus far. $40 million player option that he'll make a decision on. And the Bucks could potentially extend him. But he played around 30 regular season games this year, was on a minutes restriction for the majority of those. In fact, he didn't get over 34 minutes until the postseason. But then once he got there defensively, listen, it, it, it wasn't great. But it wasn't great for many Bucks players trying to defend Jimmy Butler, though, let's say that. But he put up 24 points a game, 47% from the field, 40% from three, 87 from the free throw line. He was an efficient scorer, the best scorer that the Bucks had in this first round series. But there is concern with these mounting injuries, whether it's the knee, the wrist, everything in between. How concerned would you be about a long, long let's say a long-ish, a multi-year extension on big money for Chris Milton? I'd be concerned for sure. Um, he turns 32 in August and sure, we're, we are in an era where NBA players longevity is, is being extended where, you know, the, all the developments in sports science and training and nutrition and year round training and everything that they do means that unlike in the old days, we're 32, especially for a guard, you're, you know, any, any given day, you might just fall off a cliff, right? Like you did, you just, you lose it. And, and you know, that, that little bit of quickness that you had, that little burst, the lift that you need for on your shot just goes. And it's not the case automatically anymore. Guys can, can be, you know, playing at a really high level, much deeper into their thirties. Um, so I don't mean to write him off based on age alone, but he's 32. You mentioned him only playing 33 games this year. He only played 66 last season. He's had a lot of injuries over the last, you know, however many years. His three-point percentage this this season plummeted to 315. Um, that's really bad for, for Chris Middleton. Um, and, and, you know, look, it's in a small sample size and coming back from injury with minutes restrictions and everything else. So maybe it's an outlier. But still alarming. Um, I think the other thing this in, in this discussion, though, is uh, that's important is it's rare in this in this league to have an extended uh, period of, of high level success con- contending for titles without all-star level talent. And Chris Middleton has made a few all-star teams and Drew Holiday has made a couple. So these guys are like, whatever, part-time all-stars, however you want to classify this. There are perennial all-stars and there are guys who sometimes make an all-star team and are good enough, but aren't, aren't at the level where you can just pencil them in every year. And the Bucks won their championship and have been a great team with an ensemble approach around an MVP. Now that's become more the norm lately, to, to be honest, you know, Kawhi Leonard won a championship with Kyle Lowry, another kind of part-time all-star Pascal Siakam, another guy I would consider more of a, in the part-time category. Steph won it all last year with, you know, Draymond and clay being, being a, a slightly lesser version of themselves um, in particular clay coming back from those two devastating injuries. So that was a more of an ensemble approach, even in the Warriors' latest championship. So it's it's possible. It's just hard to sustain if you don't have high-level talent. And Middleton and Drew Holiday are both really, really good players. And the ensemble approach there has worked because they were the right fit and they they brought the right um, balance of you know defensive chops and tenacity and shot making on the other end and some playmaking. They could both handle the ball. I don't know how many more years you can get out of that combination. Hmm. And on top of that, you know, so Drew, you know, Drew's getting up there in, in years again for a guard, especially Brooke Lopez is in his mid thirties. Brooke Lopez is a free agent also. So like, are, are you, if you're just running it back, I don't know how much more you can squeeze out of this group based on, on age and injury history. Um, they work really well together. It is a 
very well calibrated supporting cast around a supreme player in Giannis. Um, but man, this is a dicey offseason for them in that regard. And I, I, I don't envy John Horst and uh, and the, and their ownership group and trying to figure out like what's the right path and what's the right price if you're bringing back Middleton. What's the right price if you're bringing back Brook Lopez? Yeah, well, I mean Brook Lopez, and to me at least, it was his best season he's had since Brooklyn, and he did that at 34, coming off back surgery, and now it's it, it doesn't seem like he's the type of guy the Bucks can afford to lose. You don't just have Brook Lopez uh, coming in with the lack of flexibility the Bucks have. Uh, one last quick one. Now this is this is without notice, so I have to uh, I'll apologize for this, but one more before Listen. we wrap it up. How did you view? The Jay Crowder situation, because he's come out after the postseason and he clearly wasn't happy. I don't think anyone is surprised by the fact that he wasn't happy. But he's another free agent. Now, he said, I'm happy to come back. I love the guys. That might be a coaching situation. I'm not sure. But that was the one investment they made. And not only did he play a minimal role in the postseason, he played no role as they were getting torched by the type of player that you would think they brought Jay Crowder into play on. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, baffling. <laughs> um, I would just say, you know, look, Jay Crowder, as valuable as he is as a 3 and D guy and as, as good as he's been at his peak over the last five years, whatever, um, he does seem to find a new home every year um, or every couple of years. That might mean something. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't mean to like cast vague aspersions and I'm not alluding to anything that I, that I know that I'm not saying, I'm just saying I've seen this happen a lot in this league where somebody seems really good. And somehow for whatever reason, no matter how valuable they are, they seem to wear out their welcomes really quickly. Maybe that's mm-hmm. baked into this one. Um, Jay Crowder. I still don't understand what Jay Crowder and the Suns were doing all season with this and this, this whole standoff where we're, he doesn't want to be there. So they're just, they're just paying him to not play a team that really, even before they made the trade for Kevin Durant, they were kind of, you know, I don't want to say shorthanded, but like they, they could have used some extra depth. They could, they could have used another three and D wing and they just let him not play for months while trying to trade him fruitlessly. Um, and then eventually he ends up on the, on the bucks for five second round picks and they don't play him in the playoffs. Like maybe he was out of shape. Maybe, you know, or maybe he was not quite in good enough shape. Maybe he just wasn't there long enough to build up enough trust with Bud. Um, maybe it's something else. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, it was a very strange uh, way for his season to, to end and a very strange decision by them to not play a guy that they put so much uh, of an investment in. And look, second round picks are second round picks, right? Like, I think on average, maybe like two out of 30 second round uh, draftees per year actually have decent NBA careers. So it's a really low number. So, but they are chips. They are trading chips. And once you've traded them, then you don't have them to trade for the next potential Jay Crowder, right? So it does mean something that they gave those away for a player who didn't play at the most critical time and you might let walk as a free agent in the offseason. I think it's fair to say, that was a trade that didn't work out for anyone by the time this season no. came to a close. Uh, hey, that's the way it works sometimes. Uh, Howard, 
It's been a pleasure. And I should say this, uh, you accommodated me with the timing as well because I refuse to get up in the middle of the night. So I appreciate <laughs> Nor you should you have. I'm not worth getting up in the middle of the night just to talk about the Bucks for for half an hour. That's that that would be a completely unreasonable expectation. No, happy to happy to do it. Uh, good good seeing you, good chatting. And um hopefully the next time uh, we do this, it will be under uh, happier circumstances for the Bucks. Uh, no doubt at Howard Beck if you're not already following uh, Howard on Twitter and you actually just scroll uh, scroll through the, the Twitter timeline he's doing a bunch of shows around the league it's really fun to listen to fascinating to listen to and a bunch of other stuff uh, all over the place at the moment but we appreciate the time and uh, we'll catch up with you soon for the listeners we'll be back tomorrow we'll probably need to start diving into some of the financial stuff we discussed today it's fascinating there's plenty to talk about we'll catch you all tomorrow